Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 50 of the School of Travel's podcast. I'm so excited to say that magic number 50, because 50 was the first number that I envisioned when I sat down to think about how many episodes I thought I could make before even starting this podcast. And now that I'm here, I'm so happy to say that I am still full of excitement about continuing on and making many new episodes for you. It just feels like part of my life now, honestly, and I'm on this journey with you listeners, and I'm so grateful for your encouragement and messages that you send telling me that you get excited to listen and really enjoy hearing my guest stories. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. For episode 50, I wanted to do something I'd never done on the podcast before and bring you a before and after of someone preparing for a big journey. In this case, a plan to cross the Atlantic Ocean in a small catamaran with only seven other people. My guest Sylvia Weinheimer had crossed the Atlantic before actually in 2018 on a big cruise ship, but in 2020, just before Christmas, Sylvia joined a cruise reunion call and met someone who spontaneously asked her if she wanted to cross the Atlantic again, this time in a sailboat from Cape Verde to Brazil. This person, by the way, was Eustace, who I interview in episode 52, so please check out my interview with him there. Eustace and Sylvia, by the way, had never met on the first cruise in 2018, so this was going to be a real leap of faith for Sylvia. In this episode, we're going to meet Sylvia in Lisbon, preparing for her big journey, and then hear how the whole thing went on the other side when I catch up with her online from Mexico. Have you ever thought about sailing across the ocean as our ancestors did and discovering the new world for yourself, listeners? Let's have, let's have Sylvia tell us all about her journey now. Welcome to episode 50 of the School of Travels podcast. We made it, listeners, the big 5-0. And for episode 50, I have a very special episode where I'm going to interview my friend Sylvia here, Sylvia Weinheimer. Hello, Sylvia. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you, Becky, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on this two-part journey because today, listeners, I'm going to be talking with Sylvia about her background as a traveler and what has led her up to this point in early January 2021. But she's about to go on a really big journey, which we're going to talk about. And then after her journey, I'm going to get back in touch and we're going to play for you the what she thought about this journey and get her feedback. So very excited to start this two-part journey. So Sylvia, again, so happy you're here with me today. Can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, yes. Uh, I'm now coaching people as a soul vision coach, helping people to find their purpose in life and to release any blockages they have on the way. Um, but it wasn't always like this. Uh, back in the days, I was a uh, uh, art director in a big advertising company. That was my goal at that time. And uh, I really liked it. Um, yeah, until once I had an appendix break. And um, that was kind of my turning point. From there on, I started questioning, okay, maybe there's something wrong in my life. Maybe I need to, to do a change. And um, at that time, I saw that everything was okay. So it took me a while. <laughs> And uh, from the first uh, moment, traveling has been involved into my healing journey. Um, I remember I booked from the hostel um, a retreat uh, in Hawaii with the swimmers' dolphins. And uh, this was kind of, yeah, the starting point. Then I came back to... Was this after the you had left the art directing position? Just before that, just before. So I went on the journey and then came back and then slowly unraveled myself, left my long-term relationship. Uh, one year later, I left my um, job. And um, again, traveling was involved. I fell in love at that time. And uh, with uh, the, my love at that time, I went to Morocco and started a surf hostel, which was for me the biggest adventure that uh, at that time. And 
Yeah, but once I was there, I realized that um, I was still the same in my mind. I was still the office girl defined um, in her self-worth by work. And there I was by the beach having nothing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. You just touched on something so deep and so, I think, common that happens. It, ha it happened with me too, where you do quit the job. You make this big transition like I've talked about with so many guests on my podcast. But we don't, we haven't really talked about how you, it's, it's a mindset shift that you have to make too because it's so easy to get a new job on the computer, but you're still working, working and not feeling fulfilled by this new work that you have, even though you're in Morocco or someplace beautiful. Yes, yes. Like uh, everybody says, uh, I want to be happy. I hardly ever heard anybody say I want to be unhappy. Um, however, uh, I think uh, the only way to happiness is to feel more and to feel more is maybe painful <laughs> because we need to open our heart and to go through some things. And... Um, Uh, yeah, start feeling again, start asking ourselves every day, where am I going? What am I doing? Um, why am I here? And setting intentions. So I completely shifted, like my lifestyle completely shifted step by step from there. How did you go from being an office girl to feeling complete or to feeling at, at peace on the road and not so go, go, go? Mm -hmm. So uh, in the first year, uh, there was this constant thought in my head, but I have to work at one point. I have to make this work. And I couldn't relax at all over it. And then when I left Morocco and I came back to Germany, I had learned so much. Actually, I realized that we, we learn and grow th so much through by changing our environment. For me, Morocco was a big thing. Uh, there's a saying, um, Europe has uh, the clocks and Morocco has the time. I feel this very true. <laughs> I love that phrase. It's, it's so special. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I learned so much from the Moroccans because um, they really helped me to slow down um, and to see that this survival mode that I was in for so long is not real. So uh, even though people may, there might have a lot less, they have less uh, scarcity. And uh, when I came back, I realized this, I noticed this, that lots of the stress that I had felt in my job was by staying in this constant state of um, survival of, okay, I have to make this work. And it even went into every project like this. Okay, yeah, we, we have to make the deadline. Okay. And then there were complications. Sometimes the client doesn't want to go this down this road or that road. Like really this stress was playing out all over in my life. And when I came back, because um, I traveled to Morocco with my van, so I traveled the way back with my van. And um, when I came back to my home, uh, I was sure I'm not going to go back into my old flat. So I kept that supplanted and I started living in my van slash at my mom's place for work. I changed my, my day at that time. So I was working in the morning hours and in the evening. And during the day, I was by the beach playing volleyball, which really filled me up. Uh, working as a freelancer changed also completely my view because suddenly um, I could take care of my own environment and I started to cultivate a very positive uh, working culture. And even if there were struggle, even if the client would change something, I would operate from a much better place, uh, a place of calm. And, and um, yeah, so it changed a lot. And I have known you for just over a year now. We met on the Nomad Cruise, which finished in December 2019. I can't believe it's been over a year. But I, I know from the interactions that we've had that you do, even now, like you love changing your environment. And I think just following like invitations that you get to try new experiences. I've seen you, like I think right in front of me, try many new experiences. And how does that play into your your journey in general in life? 
Oh, thank you for this question. Yes, um, actually, also the normal cruise played a big part of it. <laughs> then, uh, when I got to know about this concept of digital nomads, I was like, "Wow, I want to find out more about this." And then I found the normal cruise, and I went three times. And every time I went, something major shifted in my life. After the first time, I finally gave up all my belongings. Um, after the second one, I um, yeah really started my my own business as coach as a coach. And um, after the third one, I felt that I was allowing myself to travel more uh, in a new way. Uh, your question was about uh, changing environment. And for me, this is something really, really powerful because um, maybe most people are not aware of it, how much um, our surrounding, our habits, the people around us, basically everything around us imprints us every day. And if it's the same view, even if it's the same view out of the office every day, it's the same view. And it's very hard to change perspective in the same environment. And it works the other way around as well. So maybe more extremely the last year, I could see myself changing every every month or sometimes several times a month um, environment, places, rooms, people. And it would always contribute to my inner growth or my healing journey so there's a direct link every time I change something inside my surrounding would also change or I get a new invitation somewhere or I go on a journey um, sometimes people say oh but isn't traveling this thing to escape reality and before I sometimes thought the same that maybe You, you travel for a couple of years and then once you're finished. <laughs> uh, now um, I see this differently. Uh, I think life is a journey and uh, this planet is huge. There's so much to discover. And the more we allow ourselves to be flexible with our identity, with our belongings, with our places, uh, the, the more we can experience life and the more we grow. So I think it's an ongoing journey and I do believe that I'll keep traveling <laughs> in my life, maybe even at once having a home base, but still keep traveling. Yeah, I remember being told so many times in 2019 when I was probably in a place no longer than two weeks at the most the whole year like don't you want to slow down aren't you tired like don't you feel like it's hard to connect with people and now I look back on that year that was probably my most peripatetic year and I think everything made sense that I did looking back everything was a lesson that led to even bigger things in 2020 or bigger connections and so I think all of these journeys you say yes to I agree with you. It feels like they, they build towards something greater. Mm, beautiful. Yes. And especially um, what you pointed out with, how aren't you tired of building new connections um, or meaningful connections? Some people say like, yeah, but when you travel, you only have shallow connections. For me, I feel the opposite is true. And especially as we're both uh, uh, nomad cruisers, <laughs> um, I found myself having a huge network keeping in bumping into the same people who are also growing who are experiencing similar things and the growth is accelerating through that uh, also I find myself um, sometimes in places where I have this time to really spend time with somebody to get to know somebody how they're living like in their routines and everything so that I'm actually able to build much deeper connections than I was Uh, before because I would usually give people only ex uh, exclusive time like saying like okay one hour we're doing this and this but I wouldn't live with my friends right so now it's it, it changed a lot so so perceiving also the world as um, a place where I keep bumping into my friends and people who are uh, on the same journey it's amazing it changed everything like having this network and community Yeah, I think maybe more than any year we've ever lived, this 2020 taught us that community is so important, that having your own space may be great. Maybe you live in a really comfortable home, but if you're in that those same environments all the time and now you can't even leave them, you know, you, your life might feel much more constricted and you're missing out on so much that the community can bring to you. Mm -hmm. How was 2020 for you being a, I imagine it was harder to change those environments frequently last year. Mm, actually, it was one of the 
best years of my life, <laughs> to be honest. I was traveling a lot. I came back from Bali when Corona break broke out and stayed at home for, for four months with my mom, which was also great to, to always come back once in a while to my roots. And then um, came to Lisbon, changed a lot of places here. Um, so no, it was, a, it was a great year. And as you said, like I really discovered the value of, of community. Yeah, staying in one place. That's like, I learned that too. Just, you know, having to adapt your behaviors and kind of go deeper into those relationships because you are all working from this one location as your base. And it's interesting because we're all going through the same things this year. We all know the rules. Okay, the airports are pretty much closed. You can't go somewhere. So what do we do and how do we go carry on like this now? And what does life look like now? So I'm really happy to hear you had such a positive outlook and an experience in 2020. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that you told me recently you've been invited on a really spectacular journey that even in normal times, people would just, it was, it'd be a dream for them and something they may never get a chance to do. Can you tell the listeners what you're about to do and when it's going to start and what this is going to involve? Oh, yes, sure. <laughs> so I'm just about to get on a boat again. So the boat kind of as a symbol already has been a big met metaphor in my life before with the Nomad Cruise. I'm also going with Nomad Cruisers, but this time on another boat, the uh, Staatenlos, the book from Christoph Heuermann. Uh, the boat, did I say book? <laughs> the boat. <laughs> and um, it's going from Cap Verde to um, Brazil. It's a sailing boat. It's a small catamaran and we're sailing across the Atlantic. And uh, yeah, for me, a big adventure being on a small sailing boat, being really close to the ocean, being surrounded by the water for almost two weeks. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and being connected to nature um, far off from any restrictions. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this. How many people are going to be on the boat with you? We're going to be six people. So it's it's a small boat. Okay. And um, yeah. How are you reaching the boat? Because you said Cap Verde. How, how will you get there? I'm going to take a plane to Cap Verde. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then from there. Are you spending a couple of days there getting everything ready together yes. as a group? And then... Yeah. I think the advantage is that uh, Christoph sails uh, more or less like not the whole year but he's very much into sailing and so everything will be organized and yeah which is great yes and by the way Christoph, if you are not aware listeners he was on nomad cruise 10 with us i know he's been on a couple of other cruises if i'm not mistaken and he has been to just about every country in the world now so he's a big even a role model for all of us on the nomad cruise like one of the nomadiest nomads <laughs> So I hope that you'll be in, I'm sure you'll be in good hands. As you said, he's experienced um, with sailing. Now, is there, have you been told anything about kind of what you're expected to do on the boat? Or is there any program you guys are going to be doing together on this boat? Um, we're going to be a very interesting group. So I'm sure there will be lots of learning and maybe skill sharing or yeah, I think it would be probably a very interesting time. Uh, we haven't planned anything so far. Who is going to join you? So you have Christoph, and then there should be... Justus Seemann. Justus Seemann, okay. And the skipper, and the skipper and his wife, yeah, or his friend. Okay. And uh, yeah, so what excites me about also the nomad cruisers or the communities that I've been in is uh, this common or shared sense for freedom. Like freedom is such a high value for everyone there. I think it's what, what binds us together. And then at the same time, there is no worse of, of freedom when you cannot share it with somebody, right? So there is a sense of connection and um, yeah, so especially in these times where it looks like um, traveling gets more and more restricted, uh, connection uh, connection becomes so valuable and knowledge is key also, right? Having access to, to people who, um, to, to, to people, to knowledge, to communities uh, where people support each other. 
and also have this knowledge of how to live a happy life. And this is one thing that I learned over the last three years is that it requires knowledge and it requires um, exploration, asking yourself, getting to know yourself, to have fun, to know how to live. Because if nobody teaches us, how do we know, right? Like for so many people, it's hardwired to go to work, um, to do their nine to five. Um, if it comes to spare time activities, it's also very much organized. But really how to enjoy yourself, how to have conversations that go below the, the average depth, it is knowledge. And I, I've been searching so many uh Uh, personal development experiences over the last years and there have been many people that touched my soul or that made me change right so um, we can't give what we don't have uh, we, we need this inspiration from each other so I think this was big for me even now like even when I'm traveling alone I don't feel alone I know there's people out there who've been done the same or who are doing the same who I can call right now if I have something if I have an issue I have friends who understand me on my journey um, so this is very valuable and yeah I'm also working with a friend with uh, Ladina and uh, Keola journey where we are helping women to go on their journey and to to cultivate their self-love. So this is one of my projects that I'm joining and where I'm giving also um, group coachings to, to help women to um, get in touch with their emotions and to figure out what they really want and desire rather than what they've been told what they should want. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. for so many people that, it, like you said, it's hardwired in and I think even a journey like the one you're about to take, I, I feel that so many people would say, how can you like go away from your work and just give like, you know, walk away from everything in this very, you know, dangerous, uncertain time and just go off and do this. Like, do you have the right to give yourself adventure in this very difficult time in the, in the world? And I mean, I would, I would say absolutely. It's, it's vital to our mental health and it's vital for all of us to continue to dream when I think, especially in 2020, we just were told go inside and lock the door behind you and don't come out until we tell you to. It's a really, it's, it's soul crushing. It's mind crushing. And you know, it's not the human nature. Like you said, the human nature is freedom. I think we feel that sense of exploration and, you know, curiosity for life. And I think it's important for us to keep honoring that And who knows what's what's coming next, but I'm really excited for you that you, you know, are going on this journey and helping other people decide what, you know, open up what, I should say, maybe unlock what their journey is inside of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I started becoming a coach, I thought I have to coach right away. And then I realized, oh, it was so much about my own journey, about self-exploration, self-love, um, finding my own worthiness, um, finding my expression step by step. And this was so much connected to travel, to different experiences. And it takes time and it's also fun. Um, it takes also a lot of tears <laughs> uh, because we're going full circle, right? Like if we suppress our negative emotions, we cannot even enjoy our positive emotions. Really riding the waves in terms of going through all our emotions, owning them, and travel definitely helps through uh, with this, um, on this discovery journey. Yeah, it's not a waste, it's, it's an unlocking of something that you didn't know, you or a direction you didn't know you were supposed to take, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I, well, I, as I said, and I told you at the beginning of this, listeners, we are going to be coming back to Sylvia and hearing how everything goes. Um, but is there, I, I, want, I wanted to ask you too, like, is there anything you're planning to surprise or inspire your fellow travelers with on this journey? Oh my God, I love this question. <laughs> And I should ask myself that as well. But I, you know me, I always love um, giving co deep connection workshops. And for sure, I'm going to offer this 
for sure. And it's like tiny things. Uh, it starts like with a morning hug. I just love this. And uh, I, I'm going to keep this also for every community that I'm going to move in because it is so nurturing. Uh, we need touch. And what I like about the deep connection workshops is uh, that we ask different questions because the quality of the answers or basically of our lives is defined by the questions we ask. And um, if we ask poor questions, we cannot expect great results. Mm, and uh, with deep connection, I love also, like, for example, the eye gazing, where we don't even speak at all, but we just go beyond the surface and we meet people. And um, yeah, especially when you have the chance to do these things uh, in person with people and not on Zoom or on the phone, um, it has a different value for sure. So yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear how it goes. Um, if people want to follow you or are you planning on, I mean, I, I would imagine you won't even have access to any kind of internet, but are you? Oh, we do. We do. We have amazing internet. Actually, I think the, the, the technique is even up to the standard of a cruise, cruise ship or something. It's like a, yeah, it's, it's, um, we will see. <laughs> okay, I've never crossed the Atlantic before, so I don't know what oh, yeah. what kind of connectivity is available out there. So we might do half internet, we'll see. Uh, but your question was how people can follow me? or Right, are you, well, how can they follow you in general? Um, Facebook, Instagram, or my website, which is silviaweinheimer.com. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way okay. to follow me. Are you planning on doing any kind of social media while you're out there on the journey through Instagram? Um, it depends. Like sometimes I do, but I catch myself that I have the tendency to um, process things afterwards and uh, keep posting delayed because I like to stay in experiences and then post when I have digested it or, yeah. Okay. But we'll see. I'll probably do a post from the boat as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sylvia. And we will be back for part two. Great. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Hello, Sylvia. It's good to see you and hear you again after all this time. It's been about a month since we last spoke, right? Yes. Yes, a month. Thank you for coming back and talking with me about this big adventure that you were just on. I'm so excited to hear how it was. So can you tell our listeners what you have just completed doing in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, thank you for uh, interviewing me today about this and giving me the space to share about this exciting adventure. So last time we spoke, I was just about to cross the Atlantic on the Staatenlos, uh, a sailing boat by Christoph Heuermann. And uh, the boat went from uh, Cap Verde to Brazil. And here I am now across the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, now I'm actually uh, in Mexico. I, I kind of took a flight from Brazil to Mexico now here. That is so cool. And how big was the boat? How many people ended up being on the boat? Yeah, we were eight people on the boat. And uh, it was uh, quite spacious, actually. Nonetheless, you are like... In a, in a boat with eight people and uh, you really get to know each other from a different side. That was very interesting and beautiful experience. Um, we were um, 16 days traveling with a little stop uh, on an island in Brazil, um, which we couldn't enter, but we could at least like take us, be in front uh, in the bay. Uh, due to COVID regulations, it was not uh, permitted for us to go on land. But uh, yeah, we had a beautiful time. Oh, amazing. So how many women and how many men were on this journey? Oh, it was very equal. We, had, we were four men and four women. Okay. And so you've mentioned Christoph, who was, I guess, your captain. And it, like he wasn't maybe the person like piloting the boat, let's say, and navigating, but he was the organizer, right? Right. He was the organizer. And then we had like a an extra captain like steering the boat but obviously he was um managing the whole trip and yeah, okay and then you it. you had met Eustace who actually just appeared in episode 52 which has just been released before your episode um and you had just met him a couple of weeks before the journey 
Right. It's so crazy, the nomad life, right? How always paths crosses each other. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so we met on the nomad cruise call. And I also knew Christoph Feuermann from the uh, nomad cruise beforehand. Uh, but very briefly, so basically, a part, uh, I basically didn't really know anyone before I went on the boat. And really, we got to know each other all together on the boat. And that was beautiful. Wow. So how were you feeling like the day? I know you had to fly from Lisbon to Cap Verde and then you got the boat there. How were you feeling when you reached that first day and you were going to start the journey in the boat? It felt so easy. I was really happy to join this experience and I would always um, encourage other people to do so because we have all these thoughts in our head beforehand. Okay, how will it be? Who will I meet? Um, and so on and so on. But once we go for journeys like this, it's it's like the universe uh, just puts you with the right people on the boat, right? So we had a beautiful time. I am so happy to hear that because I know that we talked a lot before you left about how much fear you had, but maybe more fear about what other people were also thinking about your journey and just so much of the unknown. And I'm so happy to hear that you were completely calm when it started. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And what was your daily routine like once you got on the boat? Yeah. So once we got on the boat, the first day we all got seasick. So there was not much of a routine. We all shared a bucket. And um, oh, no. it was kind of nice experience, to be honest. Uh, looking back to it, it was kind of fun also. But it was really like almost one hour after we left, like everybody was uh, kind of getting sick, needed to lay down or searching for a bucket. <laughs> And uh, thanks God I had some seasickness pills um, and uh, it got better. Um, the second day already was, was much better. And uh, yeah, how did our routine look like? Uh, basically, we had shifts in the night to, to take care of the boat. So my shift was from 3.30 to 7. Uh, which oh, was that's great. a tough shift. That would be tough for me. <laughs> Right, it's true. It was a little bit in, um, new in the beginning, let's say, like this. But um, it was really nice because I could see the sunset, uh, sunrise in the morning. And um, also, we would do it together, like uh, in couples. So we could uh, swap and we could put an alarm every 15 minutes. So every 15 minutes, I would wake up, check the wind, check the course, and uh, see if we're still moving in the right direction. Or if there's anything on the radar showing up. So there could be sometimes um, like uh, bad weather showing up on the radar or even like an unknown object, which could be a boat or um, sometimes even the waves. You could see them on, on the radar. So if there's anything inconvenient, we had to wake up the captain and uh, yeah, we had a little maneuver or something, which was uh, especially on the last day, quite exciting. We had a a little bit of a bigger maneuver. <laughs> oh, wow. So you yourself, like you couldn't really, you could, were you steering the boat uh, during that shift? Oh yeah. Good question. We had an autopilot. So that was really good. And, um, the only thing we, well, the only time we would have to take action is whether we, we take on the, the, the sails, put up, put up the sails or take them down. Mm -hmm. And which one? And uh, it, if the wind changes, you have to change the sails or uh, loosen them a little bit or tighten them. And all these uh, decisions uh, were um, up to the captain. So in this case, we would have to wake them, him up. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't like expected to gradually be learning how to sail as you went. You were no. <laughs> always referring to him. Okay. That's good because I think I would be the same. It'd be exciting to learn different phases and different things in the boat but like um i'm glad the captain was there for you yeah yeah it was kind of funny also with the sails because uh we uh part of the deal of joining this trip for us was to to bring the two new sails um from portugal onto the boat so we could finally see the the huge new sails and they had like a beautiful branding uh like one was with liberty or death the other one was with taxation is theft <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was kind of, we were kind of like pirates uh, <laughs> crossing the Atlantic with this huge black spinnaker. And um, 
I love that. If you guys yeah. haven't, if you knew Kristoff, that would you'd be laughing too. That is so Kristoff's philosophy. <laughs> yeah, so we were kind of on a mission. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And I'm glad that on the shift you had another person. So if you started to feel sleepy or something or unsure, yes. you could ask your partner there. Okay, that's good. But I good. guess like during some parts of the day, you were all awake and you could help each other. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So what did we do during the day? Um, our days were quite different. Uh, we had some routines with the girls. We had a women's circle, which was beautiful. It was actually really good to come up together and, and sharing like stories or singing and um, doing some energy work. Uh, also, we did some workout. Not every day when the weather was like or when the waves were too shaky then we would skip the workout, but we try to keep it, keep it up, especially as you can't move so much on the boat. feels really good to do some workout sometimes. And uh, yeah. What kind of workout would you do? I'm really curious. Like, was it yoga? Like trying to sit down on the boat and do some stretching or how did that work? Uh, we were mainly laying on our ba- back and doing something for the abs and like, uh, yeah, for the legs. and <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like what I'm doing in my apartment now in lockdown, to be honest. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, you have to make the most of it out of it if you cannot move so much, right? Right. Oh, I'm glad you guys got into a routine there. And women's circle, that sounds beautiful and, and good to kind of check in with each other with the your moods and how you're feeling as you make this like really unpredictable journey. Yes. Yeah, it was actually giving some good um, stability, emotional stability. It was nice. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, we were cooking uh, like uh, two times a day. And in the morning, we had like a nice breakfast. And there was another sailing boat, the Blue Horizon, which was following us. And uh, for example, in comparison, it's a, it's a sailing boat. We, ha- we were a catamaran. So we have like two, um, how do you say, like two parts. We're more stable than a sailing boat. And we could cook easily twice a day. For them, if the, the waves were too shaky, it was almost impossible to cook. So you have to imagine everything moving and then cooking. Like even for us, it was kind of an adventure. I got to talk about the food. Like what, what did you have like what for breakfast? What were the typical meals? Did you cook a lot yourself or how was that working? Yeah, we we like uh, breakfast was something like everybody took care for himself because people woke up to different times with like just usually cereals with milk. Uh, we had also milk powder once the milk was finished. <laughs> and um, for uh, lunch and dinner, we would cook all together. And it would go from vegan to beef because we had like some beef eaters uh, for the guys and then some vegans and vegetarians. And so we had plenty of really good food, actually. So we would really cook a full meal. You must have picked up so much food at the beginning. Like how was that shopping trip before you got onto the boat? Because unlike a lot of sailing trips, there was no stopping. Even that island you mentioned, you couldn't get off. So it's like, wow, I'm imagining like what food like two weeks into a trip that I, you know, hadn't been shopping for that long, what would I be making? So, Right, that's true. So we had like a huge shopping in the beginning and in the boat there was even food for for like a couple more weeks, I'd say, like lots of cans and stuff that last longer. And then we had fresh stuff for about like, yeah, m- most of the time. But like that's the, let's say the last four days, we kind of ran out of uh, fresh stuff a little bit. But uh, apart from that, we had fresh stuff. We had th- uh, two, almost three fridges in the beginning. One broke, so we had two fridges. Uh, we had lots of stuff and plenty of space. So it's be- uh, below the seats. We had like huge boxes, which w- were stuffed up with uh, food and cans and vegetables. Oh, that's yeah, lovely. So, yeah, any any tips for someone listening like what is a go-to meal to make easily and quickly on a boat oh we had some really nice curry uh we had some vegan pasta which was super good like bolognese vegan bolognese which was kind of our favorite um we had usually a salad with everything whether it was a carrot salad or cabbage salad or like even fresh green salad um, the guys enjoyed the the beef uh, a lot. There was like even a, a beefer, so we could grill the beef, the meat, and uh, we had a lot of potatoes, fried potatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, 
which lasts very long. So that was also a favorite. Oh, that's great. Did you have like a moment during the day where you'd all come together? Like we, the, the one sailing trip I've ever been on, which was just for five days, we would have like cocktail hour at 5 p.m. or so when the sun was starting to set and we'd all just share. There were like five of us there, but did you have a moment like that on the boat? Oh yeah, we had gin o'clock. But in fact, we didn't drink much. Actually, the captain didn't drink at all throughout the journey. Um, and uh, how responsible! Yes, that, that was really good. And also, we also didn't have much uh, desire to drink a lot. But we would come together for kind of like a gin o'clock, whether we drink whatever, <laughs> and we would watch sunset together which is beautiful to watch because you're just surrounded by water and um, yeah, <clears throat> seeing the ocean all day and seeing how different it can be during the day from the light, from the waves, from the texture, like sometimes the water would be almost super flat and especially in the doldrums, which is a part where um, there's not much wind and we had like flat ocean and then the, it feels like the boat is kind of flying over the water. And then you see the colors um, of the sun. Uh, yeah, that was beautiful to watch. Wow. How did you, like, did you have any big insights as you were crossing and making this journey with, yeah, I would imagine seeing the ocean all around me like that would just, after so many days, it would do something to me. I've never experienced that, but did you have any, yeah, insights or these thoughts that came to your mind over this two week process and such an adventurous thing to do. I'm really proud of you, Sylvia. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, one insight is probably uh, you grow through like the, like through being surrounded by the people and how you mirror each other back and um, to the conversations. I think that's something that made me grow. And also we were, uh, we're all very inspired by the hunt for freedom or, or very free spirits. And then coming together as strong individuals uh, is a challenge, but it's also great and learning from each other. And in the women's circle, it came out that everybody is on his own journey. So there is something about it, like being still, uh, like we had one song, even we were on singing one song, uh, which has a line, stillness and motion i am the ocean i'm stillness and motion and it's funny because you're on the boat you you're kind of still but then you're moving and we are all also crossing the atlantic but we're going from one place to another place and kind of none of us had really like a a, a plan right away where to go after so there's kind of this journey into the unknown and uh, doing something new and uh, there is excitement but there's and sometimes also some like um, ah, doubts what will happen afterwards uh, and it was nice to see um, how everybody goes went through his journey yeah like this anticipation like re of reaching the other side and like you said what's going to happen when you get there yes yeah did it feel did you feel in a sense kind of free because I I, I you know this whole year we've all spent time looking at everybody around us wearing masks and things being roped off and just to be in this completely open space for so long. How did that feel? Did you feel any kind of shift there? I feel like I would be, I would feel so refreshed going through that. Oh yeah. Um, it really felt so far away. Like the only time we had to wear masks were, masks were when we arrived in Brazil and even there it was quite loose and um, well, we had some internet, so sometimes we got some news, uh, but not very much. So we were kind of disconnected and we were feeling really free because we couldn't see anybody. We had no uh, restrictions until we came to the island Fernando. And then it hit us again that we couldn't go on land, which is um, supposed to be one of the most beautiful islands in the world. So we were a little sad. But um, when we were staying there in the bay, all the dolphins came to us and we could swim with the dolphins every day, which was one of the highlights of the trip as well. Like uh, we had a couple of times uh, dolphins um, kind of uh, yeah, um, uh, welcoming us and following us uh, from the boat. And these are the moments where you feel so free and we couldn't see a boat, nothing for days. And you really have this, this unlimited view 
it's very different from being in a city where uh, you can see a house or, or like you can't even see the horizon, right? Most of the times. And this was very special. Oh, wow. That sounds so magical. When you reached that island, were, were there just people on the on the edge of the island where, where you were trying to get onto land that were just like, they saw you and they said, no, no, you can't be here? Or how did kind you know? Of. Okay, Yeah, there were like other boats already in the bay and they told us they couldn't go on land. We had a dinghy, like a, a little boat that would allow us to go to the land to just drop the, the garbage. But we weren't allowed to really uh, enter the, the island. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So it just sounds amazing. Um, did you have any difficult points? Like you mentioned that on one of the last days you saw something during your shift that proved to be a bit of an obstacle or a challenge. What was that? You made me curious when you mentioned that. We had a little storm and it was actually out of the radar. And then from uh, from out of the blue, it came from the back actually and hit us. And uh, yeah, so that was a, a situation like whenever something happens, it happens super fast. So you can really feel the, the tightness, like when the, the captain reacts, like, okay, now we have to react, da, 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 and he gives like order, because of course he cannot do everything alone. So we had to kind of um, support him, but it's like these moments where you feel, okay, now I have to function. Okay, what do I need to do? And um, so the captain didn't sleep, sleep at all the last night. And uh, I think we had one more day where there was a little, um, uh, yeah, a little storm. And but it was it was not nothing bad. So we were quite lucky with the weather. Yeah. Oh, that is that was my next question. Did you ever have a time when the waves were just? Because that's my biggest fear, to be honest. When crossing, are these huge waves, and what's going to happen to my little boat? Yes, yes. The, um, the, the good thing is like a catamaran, especially this one. Uh, I think it was Lagoon 380. I hope I hope I have the right number in my head. Um, this one never really sank. Like, so it's a very stable one. And also the equipment was very safe. Um, we were also benefiting from the water maker. There was a water maker on board. So we could have a shower, everyone, every day. We could wash our clothes. We had enough drinking water. And this is quite special because the other boat, for example, um, they had to limit their, their amount of uh, water consumption drastically. But now being back on land, it's like, oh, my God, I can be in the shower for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, uh, it feels like uh, so privileged, um, yeah, in comparison to being on a boat. <laughs> Probably feels quite spacious in the shower as well. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so but what was this other boat you were talking about? The Blue Horizon. Like how many, did they follow you the whole trip or how did you get this boat following you? These guys are um, uh, traveling the world on a sailing boat. There's three, two girl, uh, one girl and two guys. And um, they, yeah, they just bought a, a boat, renovated it and made their dream. They're all quite young. I think they're... I've got like 20, I think even below 24. And um, yeah, so so they really threw themselves into the sailing experience and uh, yeah, sailing the world. Wow. And they just met up with you and kept, did they meet up with you in Cap Verde and you started, they started following you or? Uh, yeah, they, the, the others met them uh, before in Cap Verde and then we met them again in Brazil and, and Fernando as well. So it was nice. Yeah. Oh, to that's have, fantastic. Like a bit of a companion. <laughs> yeah, I never would have thought something like that would happen, but that's great. I mean, makes me feel even more at ease, I think, to other people to help if something goes wrong or sounds like you had a, a very good boat. Yes, we had a very good boat. We had like an ultra anchor, which is also very beneficial because it really keeps the boat in place so you don't have to worry about anchoring and removing or repositioning or something um we had like a a bigger dinghy we had uh, well we had a flamingo even when we when we were in the before the island um we had a we, we blow up a huge plastic flamingo so we had a good time all of us in the flamingo boat expanding our space that was really nice <laughs> sometimes we had game nights we played the werewolf game or uh, questioning games um so at night we would hang out together sometimes 
Um, and uh, yeah, once we had a, uh, a healing ceremony, which was uh, which uh, Eustace was guiding, uh, which was also very special um, to us and everybody who was involved. And uh, yeah, apart from that, like this being on a boat, kind of feeling as if you were flying across the water, it is special. Like you're constantly moving. And uh, it is also demanding for the body. When, when everything is moving, it is demanding. So you cannot do as much as you might think you could do. Like I brought some podcasts or books, but I really didn't feel like reading. And working also was a challenge. Like I, I, and I did one thing, but it, 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 it's kind of very demanding to watch on a screen. And when you move, you need to move a little bit more cautious. Um, so it's different. So the daily, the the daily basics uh, take more time than than usual, for sure. Well, after so you said it, it. How long? How long in total did it take to get from Cap Verde to where you finally stopped in Brazil? Um, sixteen days. We were on about sixteen days with a stop of uh, I think four days in Fernando. Yeah. Okay. And when you reached that sixteenth day, were you ready? To, for it to be over, or would you have happily continued sailing? How did you feel as you reached the end? So when, when, once we were on the boat, I was like, oh, my God, I could do this forever. And once we reached the land, you quickly started getting used to the comfort, right? So we could use uh, – we were landing in a marina, so we could use the showers there. And I was like, oh, my God, this shower is so spacious, and I can shower as much as I want. Great. And I enjoyed so much to walk around, like really using my legs a little bit more. So that's something I subconsciously must have missed a lot. Also, the Internet, we are digital nomads. We are kind of addicted. So it is a thing. Once you're back, you're like, oh, my God, I have my Internet back. I would definitely go back on a boat again. And it's, I mean, it was my second Atlantic crossing. The first one was so uh, with the nomad cruise nomad cruise 7 in a huge cruise ship but with like 500 nomads from what i heard 500 nomads <laughs> very exactly. overwhelming yeah. yes so this one was very different and very special because you really feel con- felt connected to the water and um to the group and it was um actually more slow because you there's not much happening during the day so everybody had to slow down and also with eight people on the boat uh, everybody as an individual kind of needs to slow down to make it work. So yeah, it was, it was a very nice, uh, experience and I would definitely do it again. Would you recommend it to people to do to cross the Atlantic in a small sailing boat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and really there is something special to being on a boat and going somewhere new. And uh, now in COVID times, for me, it also had this meaning of uh, leaving Europe Europe behind in a way with this heavy COVID um, registrations um, and going to a site where the weather is better, where there's more freedom and where something new is waiting for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting because I had met you in August in Lisbon and you actually stayed in Lisbon for, I think, like six months, almost six months Mm -hmm. altogether. And then, you know, now you're in Mexico. You ended up in Mexico. And I had just left Mexico to to see you again in Lisbon in December, January. So now I'm in lockdown, like literal lockdown in, in Lisbon where you left and probably for another month. And you are in, like you said, a much looser restriction area. And I'm so glad that you're getting to experience this now. Thank you so much. Like what this journey definitely told me once again is that it pays off to follow the flow and not let overthinking stop you uh, from from taking opportunities uh, that present themselves to you. And if I think if everybody thinks about it, there are always some opportunities. If we have, if we walk around with open eyes, things come to us. And um, yeah, this was definitely worth it. 
Yeah. If something presents itself and it's just, you know, it like I know for you, it really came out of nowhere because the, your connection with Eustace was very quick and unexpected just through a Zoom call like so many of us have been having in right. 2020. And you just you just followed your intuition. And like you said, it, you've had this opportunity now and you've fulfilled this adventure and, you know, who knows what's next. But it's really, I think, a lesson for people, too, that we're still all living. We're still all able to make choices and, you know, follow these feelings if we if we want to and we feel yes. comfortable. Yes. And, and life is unpredictable and I like it. Um, so even if there is COVID and, and restrictions, anything can happen anytime. And I love this when this happens, like when, when things like this happen and uh, prove this concept. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything uh, on your list or what's next What's next on your list of adventures now that you've crossed Atlantic in Catamaran? Check. Do you have anything else on your big wish list for adventures? So one thing on my list is a treehouse. I would love to live in a treehouse and I would love to live in a um, uh, spiritually in, um, inspired and uh, entrepreneurship inspired uh, community and would love to facilitate more growth experiences and sharing circles and connection circles to really bring people together and uh, create connection, especially now where there's social distance, we have this craving for connections. And uh, connecting deeper, I think this is the key. This is what, what the, the deepest longing of our soul is, to connect deeply to ourselves and others. And the experiences are just um, uh, tools, helpers to get there, right? So uh, right now, Eustace is working with me in, in hypnotherapy. And uh, so we are sharing skills and, and going deeper. And um, uh, it's an ongoing journey. And I keep bumping into uh, spiritually open-minded people or, uh, or freedom-driven people who are searching for new solutions, who are searching for something more or deeper meaning in their life. And uh, yeah, this is nice to, it's nice to experience that when, when you go in one direction, all you meet is people who are also, also on this journey in this direction and things fall into place. And uh, so, so it becomes easier. Like the effort becomes much easier because uh, once I started surrounding myself, which was with, with, with what resonates with me. Everything came into the flow and it's an ongoing process and I really enjoy this. So the tree house is on the list and the community and uh, Costa Rica is also on the list. And yeah, so many adventures waiting for me. Amazing. I like this idea that you chose freedom. And I think that it's really a powerful thing for us all to remember right now is you can still choose freedom if, if you're in a, if, even if it's within yourself at the moment, if you're in a, something like a lockdown, right. like a lot of us are, it's, um, it's, it's in your, in your mind, it's in your soul. And, you know, it's just a, a state of mind that we can hold within us and use it to carry us forward. I like that you said that. In fact, it starts within, right? So freedom starts within ourselves whether we're locked down or whatever we can still choose our thoughts we can still choose how we want to spend our day who we want to spend our time with um where we uh invest our attention and love and i think this is something that nobody can can restrict in a way and uh once we follow what resonates different things show up yeah. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for being part of this journey with me for episode 50. Oh, wow. I'm, so yeah. special. Thank you You're, so much. This is our first episode where we had a beginning and then a follow-up ending here after this big adventure. And I'm so glad you had a great time. Thank you so much. It's true. We had this two, two episodes in one. And I can say, having landed here on the other side, it feels that there's even more possible than I thought. And I felt that I feel that I grew a lot through this experience as well. And there are more things coming. This it, it just proved to me that more is possible, and this is a good feeling. I hope that's the outcome for anybody who chooses freedom, like you did, and goes on a journey. 
Thank you, Sylvia, for sharing your incredible adventure with us and being a part of our very special episode 50. I hope Sylvia's story has inspired you to take a leap and go on an adventure in the future when we can all travel again. Maybe something that you've always been dreaming of or has been on your bucket list for a long time. Sylvia, I have to admit, you have inspired me to try something similar when I get the chance. I've always actually been afraid of getting stuck on a small boat in the middle of the ocean, but Sylvia reminded me that this is just a fear in my head, a fear of the unknown, and I shouldn't let it stop me from trying something new, something that may set me on a new path, literally, or consider things I've never thought about before. I think that's the very essence of travel and what it can teach and unlock in us. And thank you for reminding us about this with your story, Sylvia. I have put some photos of Sylvia's journey on theschooloftravels.com, so please go and check them out and get even more inspired for your next adventure. Also, if you'd like to share what adventures are on your bucket list, please let me know on Instagram at the School of Travels or drop me a comment on the website. Until next time, listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world Everyone can ride